As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, folks. Welcome in another Racing Presidents podcast. Yes, another one because it is the winter meetings and Todd is out in Vegas, so we have to use him as much as possible. He's on TV. He's writing articles. And he's here on the Racing Presidents Podcast, sitting down with Davey Martinez. We're going to play you that conversation in just a little bit. And, Todd, I want to start with this. Have you seen the movie Jerry Maguire? Yes, sir. So Jerry Maguire has a big-time agent. He's about to be our client. He's about Mm -hmm. to be the number one overall pick. His last name is Kush. Hey, it's Kush on the big TV again. Well, I'm sick of me already. I've got Kush Lash. Kush Lash. Kush Lash. Are you having Harper Lash this week? <laughs> yeah, there seems like there are a lot of cliches to, to choose from here. The dead horse squeezing juice out of <laughs> something that's dry. I don't know. I can't even keep track of them anymore. So what we didn't see a lot today was a lot of Bryce Harper stuff. There's not a lot happening here in that regard. Obviously, everything's kind of ticking along from their end. We expect to hear from Scott Boris tomorrow. You know, maybe he'll scream, show me the money. Show me the money! Or he'll have a Bryce screaming, show me the money. I don't know. That that would be different. That would be an uptick in activity around this whole thing. But yesterday we kind of squared everything away with Mike Rizzo, right? And they, they got back on path with what they're saying about this. And we heard Brian Cashman say, I don't know why you're still asking me about this. <laughs> and then today has been rather quiet as we everybody's starting to kind of leak toward other stuff that's going on out here. Now, I want to preface this and and let people know, you know, we are a Nationals podcast. When Mm -hmm. important things happen about Bryce Harper, we're going to hit on them. But we're also going to talk about all other aspects of this baseball team. And, you know, out at the winter meetings, there's a lot of discussions being had. And an interesting little nugget that popped up, Tanner Roark. People are, what, inquiring about the services of Tanner Roark? Right now, you would think... Got a, an advantageous contract number heading into this mm-hmm. season. He is slotted to be the Nats' number four starter at this point. His number is uh, it's 6.4 was last year. What, are we waiting on arbitration for, for him? Yep. So we're waiting on arbitration for Tanner Roark. Does this surprise you? Now, let, let's clear it up. Are teams calling Mike Rizzo, or is Mike Rizzo putting out feelers about Tanner Roark? No, teams are calling Mike Rizzo, and it's a direct result of the Patrick Corbin signing. So they wonder, hey, is there a little bit of a surplus here? Can we get a value for a guy that has one year left? This He'll go through this arbitration year and then can become a free agent 
you also know as much as Tanner's results fluctuated last year, what he doesn't do is not take the mound, right? He, he, he pitches a lot all the time. You can trust him to give his best effort. You can trust him to be in shape. You can trust him to be on top of things, even when his results aren't great. And, and usually you can trust him to when he has a couple bad starts in a row, he's pretty quick to correct that. Last year was kind of weird in that way, but historically, Tanner is able to get himself out of those things pretty quickly and, and make the proper adjustment to get back on the right track. So it makes a lot of sense that someone who is in win-now mode would be looking at Tanner Roark for pitching depth, but that's also the same reason I can't imagine they move him. They're precisely the same boat. They want to keep him here. He's going to have a perfectly reasonable salary. And they saw last year what happens when you have doubt or mess in your starting rotation, and they don't want to see that again. Yeah, if I'm Mike Rizzo, you know, you listen to calls, and if you get blown away, you you pull the trigger. But Tanner Roark, at the price point he's going to be, and for what the Nationals know they can get in him, and especially as the number four starter, and the uncertainty of Joe Ross and Eric Fetty. Eric Fetty certainly has been inconsistent often injured to Joe Ross coming off Tommy John surgery. If the Nationals, look, they wanted to solidify the rotation, add a lefty with Patrick Corbin, I mean, it looks like you've got one of the better number four starters in the league, so right. I don't see the, once again, if someone comes in with a you know an offer you can't refuse as we continue to just throw out uh, movie quotes. I'm going to make him an offer you can't refuse. Then you say yes, but for the Nats, it's got to be something pretty remarkable for me to give up a guy that is that you know he's solid and he's going to be rather reasonable. Yeah, 100%. And again, I go back to kind of this discussion I was having yesterday around Patrick Corbin of different players have different value in different places. So did the Nationals possibly, quote-unquote, overpay, however you want to phrase that, whether that's in length or average annual value for Patrick Corbin, if we're in a vacuum? Maybe, but probably not by much. But, you know, you could kind of make that argument. But in their case, he was a huge thing for them. So they went out and they gave him a little more to make sure they filled that void. So in this case with Tanner, where are you, you know, in trying to win games and where are you with payroll and where are you with pitching depth and all of those things? Well, he is very high value here. He's someone who's in-house at a good rate, will give you a lot of innings that you know you can rely on, who has given you good results in the past. You have a good book on him in case things go awry that you say, hey, this is how we fixed this before because you have experience with him. And we're here, we're, I'm not reconstructed, it's certainly the wrong word, but we're, we're boosted back into the scenario where we expect to win the National League East or at a minimum get into the playoffs one way or another. And you need your four starter to be that level in order to do that. And if you remove the 2015 season, Todd, that you hit on it and, uh, you know, to have this type of durability and reliability yeah. from a four starter, he's pitched over 180 innings in all four years where he has been a starter. He's had, he started over 30 games in 14, 16, 17 and 18. That's something really nice to know as your number four starter that you can rely on. And, and look, would you like a, a better season than last year? No doubt, but you know, as a number four starter, I know I keep saying that, but that's what he is. As your number four starter, you're not going to get much better than that across the league. Yeah, no, you could easily make an argument that he could be a number three elsewhere. Sure. If not when he's really on top of things, but maybe a slight notch above that. So, yeah, they signing Patrick Corbin bumps him back and 
does a whole bunch of things for the organization here. So I can't imagine he's going anywhere. If he does, you have to get another starter back anyway. So what is the point of that? Doesn't make any sense to me. And the Nats just traded Jeffrey Rodriguez in the Jan Gomes deal. As you talked about in one of our earlier podcasts, he could have been one of those inning eaters, long reliever spot starters. And look, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they shouldn't have done the deal. I was fine with the deal, Mm -hmm. but he's now gone from the organization an organization that once upon a time was was littered with young arms and now you're starting to rebuild that process with what they did in the draft a couple years ago Uh, another interesting development that we heard from Davey Martinez was Michael A. Taylor is down in the Dominican playing some winter ball are are you surprised to hear this news that that Michael A. is uh, down in the DR playing winter ball the day after the season ended I would have been surprised, but we had some hints of this at Winterfest, and then Davey came out and said it today. So kind of the process here was they discussed this at the end of the season. They weren't sure. Michael A. Taylor was a, a little, little hesitant around the idea, as you can imagine. He's been in the major leagues for a while. He's going to turn 28 years old next March. This is not your usual path after being in the major leagues that you go down into winter ball and play in the Dominican Republic at that point of your career. But he talked to Kevin Long during the offseason, hitting coach Kevin Long, and he knew that he was going to work with Kevin Long during the offseason. They were going to do specific work, you know, cage work, cube work, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when everyone kind of talked about it, they said, you need a place to implement this, and the best way to do that is to play. So as a result, I think he got there about five days ago. He started playing about three days ago, and he's down in the Dominican Republic trying to deploy the things that he worked on with Kevin Long. We all know, and the Nationals certainly know this too, that Michael A. Taylor continues to drip with potential. We saw that in the playoffs against the Cubs. Like, if he maxes out, this is what you're looking at. What they want in the regular season is not for him to hit 300, but just hit 260, put the ball in play a lot, stay through the middle of the field. You have plenty of power if you're not just solely swinging for power. You get on base with any consistency, he's going to steal 49 bases. I mean, he's stealing 24 bases in you know basically a half a season's worth of at-bats as it is. So they want him to correct things. He wants things to be corrected for sure and and talking to Davey Martinez after he had his press conference today you know he sees a good lane for Taylor to play quite a bit next year even though the outfield set up the way it is because you're gonna have to give Victor Robles a bit of a break you're gonna have to give Adam Eaton a bit of a break you probably leave Soto and left most of the year but there's a good chance Michael A. Taylor can you know pile up 420 at bat with some starts and with some replacement play and he could become a big factor for them if his swing is improved and his contact rate certainly is improved. Yeah, if they can get the 2017 production from Michael Taylor, an OPS plus of uh, 104, which is above yeah. the average, uh, slash line of 271, 320, 486 is, is much easier to swallow than you know what we saw last year, which was more of a regression. Mm-hmm. And as the Nationals look at Michael A. Taylor, it is, you know, was 2017 the outlier or was that more of what he can be because the consistency of being in the lineup he got it in 2015 maybe thrown in there a little too soon and the and the numbers weren't great it is michael a taylor todd is certainly one of the fascinating situations for the nats because you know coming up through the minors you you heard about him and uh you know he hit that 
what was that home run he hit in Arizona a couple of years ago that it felt like it was still going? Players have always said <laughs> that he's got even more raw power than a than a guy like Bryce Harper. Uh, he's a tremendous a center fielder defensively, which is something that the Nats may not have right now. So uh, he's an important piece to the Nats. If he's the fourth outfielder, kind of like with Tanner Roark with being your fourth starter, you could do a lot worse than having Michael A. Taylor as yeah. your fourth starting outfielder, but that does also assume, and I think there's a lot of assumption, that Victor Robles is just going to come in and be this phenomenal player. And, and look, I, I know that you know he's always been rated extremely highly, but color me skeptical just a bit that Victor Robles is going to come onto the scene and, and do what Juan Soto did. Folks, what Juan Soto did almost never happens. Right. Yeah, and for... This situation, you know, Michael A. Taylor is some protection to the point that you were just making. You know, if Victor struggles, instead of turning to kind of a 4A guy, at a minimum, you're turning to a gold glove defender. And one thing we keep hearing from Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo out here, and it's not a surprise at all, is they're very focused on run saves and being better at that and just all around being more athletic out on the field and they want to play kind of a different style than they did last season where they were primarily hitting home runs and the small things added up to losses in the tight games. They want to be better at all those things. They want to be the team that takes the extra base. They want to be the team that has better range in the outfield and is producing an out on what would otherwise drop. Those things that don't just kind of don't show up, right? In your box score, you write it down as an eight, but it's also Michael Taylor just ran... 20 miles an hour into the gap and covered, you know, 100 feet and then jumped up and caught it. They want to be better at all of that stuff, and he's insurance for that. And if he can be more like the 2017 version of himself, obviously all the better for them. Let you get out of here on this. You've had a, a very long day, and uh, I'm sure the day is not yet over yet, but uh, there have been uh, rumblings. And when you're at the winter meetings, people are just going to tweet things out, and, and I don't know who, how serious people are uh, about mm -hmm. all of them. But what is the latest on on the Nats at second base. The last time you and I talked, which was right before the winter meetings got going, late Sunday night, early Monday morning, uh, and we had a question via Twitter, and, and the feeling was the Nats are okay with Howie Kendrick slash Wilmer Defoe being the second base platoon this year. Are you still getting that feeling? Are the Nats going to be poking around? I've, I've heard some thoughts. Maybe DJ LeMayhew is a possibility. What's your feel right now with the Nats moving forward at second base? You know, Tim, I feel like this is typical of a lot of stuff that happens this time of year, right? To me, the news in this would be more so if for some unexplainable reason, Mike Rizzo was not checking on DJ LeMayhew. He has a Howie Kendrick, Wilmer Defoe platoon, and if that's what they're going to start with, that's fine. If they think they're just trying to do patchwork till Carter Keboom is ready either midseason or next season, that's fine. If they think they can fix it at the trade deadline or feel the need to, that's fine. But in this case, you're out here, you better be talking to DJ LeMayhew. You better be talking to other veteran second basemen who are around. You have some wiggle room with your finances, especially, you know, assuming you don't pay Bryce Harper. So it's not a surprise to me at all that they, they've touched base with these folks. Even Mike Rizzo said, as, even before we got here, that he was going to talk to DJ LeMayhew's representation. He should be doing that. And hopefully he's also looking at DJ LeMayhew's splits between Coors Field and everywhere else because those are a little unnerving. 
although this is a really good glove at second base, would help you again when we talk about the runs prevented methodology here that they're trying to employ would be a benefit to that. So you better be talking to them. If we see reports that he is, that makes perfect sense. I'm just not sure that they're going to be in it to the point with the length of contract that they're going to be able to sign one of the higher end second basemen because presumably those guys want three, four years and nationals are looking for something that's two years or less. Could have got Jonathan scope one year, 7.5 million to the twins. Yeah. I mean, that kind of situation would make sense for them. Yeah, for sure. I saw Jonathan scope at a young age. Uh, I've seen the upside. We've all seen it when he was in Baltimore. I know he had a down year, but it seems like the twins got a pretty good deal in, in signing Jonathan scope. Who's 27 years old for a $7.5 million deal, but yeah, good defender too. Yeah. There's no reason to uh, cry over spilled milk. He's gone. He's with the twins. And uh, as are you, sir, you've had a long day and uh, this podcast is not yet over because Todd has been working all day and we're going to get to his sit down with Davey Martinez. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd underscore Divus. My name is Tim Murray. This is the Racing Presidents podcast. And uh, coming up next, Todd sit down with the Nats manager, Davey Martinez. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates in Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Davey, how are you? Good, how are you, Todd? <laughs> I'm good. good. How's Vegas so far? Awesome, awesome. Yeah? Got to see a lot of uh, familiar faces that you don't see. Uh, good baseball people, baseball-minded people, uh, old friends, new friends. So it's been a lot of fun. Would you come to Vegas in your free time? Uh, no. No, uh, okay. I've been here a handful of times, and usually it's, it had to do uh, work-related. Yeah. Uh, great place, though. I mean, it really is. I mean, but... Um, I, I like keeping my money in my wallet. <laughs> so you're not a gambler? No. We won't see you at any tables late night here at Mandalay Bay. Just a, you know, how about a, a social gambler? How's that? I think that's the smartest way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. You can participate a little, that's but it. you still go home with some of your money. Exactly. Or at least maybe most of your money. Um, so baseball-wise, Mike has been very busy very quickly. And we saw you before you guys signed Patrick Corbin, and I haven't seen you since. So just when you look at everything you've gotten done so far, what do you think does that does for you for next year going into 2019 and versatility-wise and filling some holes that you guys needed to address in the offseason? Yeah, you know, Mike and I talked at the, uh, at the end of the season uh, with ownership. We sat down and had a couple of meetings, and, um, and, and, and Pat Corbin, uh, all the guys we got were on our list, you know, yeah. on, our, on our high list. And, and Mike, you know, testament to Mike, you know, He's aggressive, and uh, he got it done. It, it was a nice early Christmas present for me to get uh, get these guys and uh, get the ball rolling. What do you think of Patrick Corbin? Obviously, you've seen him quite a bit, either as a manager in D.C. or before when you were with the Cubs. Uh, pretty potent lefty, and interestingly, he's had three consecutive years of his ERA going down and had a really large strikeout spike last year and seems to be getting better even though he's creeping toward 30. Yeah, I really believe I really believe the best is yet to come with Patrick. I think last year uh, uh, he works hard, but last year he he really found himself, um, and I think he's going to get better. I really do. Uh, 
you know, as far as a player, uh, he's one of the top lefties in the game, if not the best lefty in the game right now. And uh, But what I like most is the person. You know, um, he fits. You know, he fits what we're trying to do here. Uh, he's very competitive uh, and an unbelievable athlete. You know, when I talked to him on the phone, you know, and I congratulated him, I, I said, I'm really excited that we got another hitter. You know, now, and he started laughing, you know. I said, our pitchers hit really well, you know, and, and you, fit, you fit the bill there, too. So we're excited to have you. So um, I'm looking forward to, you know, just think about how this plays out. You know, it's, you know, Max, uh, Strauss, Corbin. You know, that's a pretty good three, you know. And you had, you had Tanner in there. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you got you got uh, Joe Ross, you got Fetty fighting for the fifth spot. I mean, uh, we're looking pretty good. Do you anticipate a, a veteran being at spring training kind of? veteran starting pitcher to see if there's any you know further options at the back end of the rotation do you guys do you think you bolt someone in like that yeah yeah we'll, we'll see how things transpire you know i know mike uh, is always looking to get his better um always and uh so you know uh we'll see how things go you know right now uh, i'm really excited about 2019 going to spring training uh, especially with our new additions and just bringing all the guys back you know uh Eden coming back fully healthy, you know, Soto second year, watching Robles play, you know, every day, Michael, you know, coming back, um, you know, and, 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 you know, right now the door's not closed with Harper neither, so uh, we're looking pretty good, we really are. You mentioned at Winterfest that you want to, quote, push the envelope more next year. It's kind of specifically, what, what does that mean to you? So what I want to do is, um, we talk a lot, you know, we get to spring training, you know, guys always want to hit, 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 you know, it's always about hitting. Uh, what I want to do this year is emphasize more on the fundamentals of the game, doing the little things. Um, you know, last year we played a lot of one-run games, and when I look back and, and watch some of the replays of the games this past winter, um, it's about not allowing teams 28, 29, 30 outs, you know, uh, being better fundamentally sound defensively, uh, not running into outs on the bases, you know, being better, uh, being aggressive, but yeah, being aggressive smart. You know, the little, the, those little things, um, and getting better at that, being consistently better at that. How is everyone's health at this point? Was there anything unexpected in the offseason that occurred for any of you guys? Everybody's, everybody at this point is great. Doolittle's good to go. Eden's, Eden's getting strong. He says his leg's getting really strong, so he's he's itching to go. Uh, everybody's had these little nagging injuries. They're uh, Right now they're good. Zim's looking great. Talk to him. He's excited about you know spring training, which is kind of nice. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, the key is getting out of spring training and getting off to a really good start. Strasburg appears to be doing some off-season work in D.C. Uh, do you know, can you give us some insight as to what he's doing at, well, at the National I, I saw him, you know, I, I saw him. I go to the ballpark and work out myself, and I run into him. And, uh, man, he's he's putting himself to some uh, some intense workouts, and uh, he's getting stronger, you know. And, um, you know, as you know, last year when he, you know, when he got hurt and went down, uh, our, our starting pitching took, took a beating a little bit. Yeah. So um, hopefully he comes back and he's strong. He's strong. You know, and get, get back there and compete. You know, for him, it's, you know, if we can get Strauss, you know, up to, you know, 25 starts, uh, we're going to be really good. And Mike has used the term bounce back candidate twice about Sammy Solis. Uh, you know, there was some question, at least outside of the organization, whether you guys might non-tender him and what his situation would be going forward with arbitration, whatever, but obviously you settled on a deal. When you look at what happened with Sammy last year and, you would routinely lay men, he needs to get left-handers out as a left-handed reliever. He knows that. Everybody knows that, right? That's not a distinct criticism. Everyone understands that. 
what, what do you think happened there, and what do you think he needs to do to kind of get it back to the t- 2016 level he was at when he was really good? You know, when I looked at Sammy, um, I go back to the earlier part of last year. He, you know, he was really good. I mean, uh, kept our bullpen stable. You know, he really did, and I used him a lot. And uh, and I think I think at one point, you know, you know, and I've heard this before that you know we might have used him a little too much. You know, so what I see now, I'm going by what I saw earlier in the season, and hope and hopes that he comes back that guy, and then and then kind of use him in that in that role. I mean, because he was you know he was really good. I mean, he's getting lefties and righties out. You know, so uh, I don't give you know I don't give up on players. Uh, as a former player, um, I hope nobody you know nobody gave up on me that that early. I think Sammy has a lot of upside. I really do. He's a left-handed guy that throws in the mid-90s, you know. So um, I think we got to just get Sammy confident again. And uh, hopefully with this with this little break in the winter, he comes back to spring training ready to go. And you have Bearclaw and Rosenthal and Doolittle now. Do you, you had mentioned that if Doolittle's down one day, maybe Rosenthal can close that day. So Doolittle's still the clear closer. Uh, 100%, no? 100% yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about assume. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you kind of see everything panning out for Barraclaw, for Rosenthal, and even Wander Swirl and some of the other pieces you have down there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, know, uh, you know, like I said, you know, Mike's done a great job of, of get, adding uh, Trevor and uh, and Barraclaw, you know, and um, they're, bo- they're both going to pitch a lot. They're going to pitch the back end of the bullpen. They are, you know. Um, they both closed before, mm-hmm. you know. I know, you know, Barraclaw the last two years uh, averaged 74 innings, which is kind of a lot, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just hope that he he comes to spring training healthy. He's working out. You know, I mean, that he's a he's a bull. I mean, he's he's got an unbelievable work ethic. Um, and he comes back and we put him in situations where he's going to succeed early and take off. Um, but they're a big part of our our, our bullpen, you know. And then you add the Squaros, uh, Justin Miller, you know, Glover, who came mm-hmm. back and did really well. Uh, you know, keeping all those guys healthy, um, I think we're going to be okay. You know, Matt Grace, you know, I can't say enough about what he did last year. Uh, he was phenomenal. I mean, um, I put him in different roles, and, and he exceeded expectations, and he's only going to get better. I mean, I think last year he realized that he can do all these things and do it well. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting these guys back and, uh, and getting them all together with the new guys. It's interesting that we never talk about Matt Grace, but also that's kind of a – that's an extremely positive sign, usually for a reliever. If we're not talking much about you, that just means you're doing your job. Exactly. <laughs> asking what happened late in the game. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you had a great year last year. And lastly, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit more about Bryce. Um, you had said at Winterfest that he's kind of hunkered down and not talking to many people. Uh, have you been in contact with him? And just as you see all this kind of swirl around, with you guys, with Mr. Lerner's comments, with Mike's comments, with reports from different places about how this, how are you computing this all in your mind, and are you paying a ton of attention to it? Or are you just going with the flow, and what happens will happen? You know, uh, you know, right now, yeah, as you know, Bryce and I have a, a, a special relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as a player, as a, uh, as a person, as a kid, you know, uh, I think he's he's awesome. I love him to death. You know, I do. Uh, you know, I think. Right now, you know, we just we gotta we gotta keep continue to move forward and uh, try to get better. Um, not by any means, and I heard Rizzo say this, and I feel the same way. Um, that the door's closed on Bryce. You know, he's got big decisions to make. You know, mm-hmm. ultimately, he's gonna make this decision. So, uh, you know, and, and it's tough. I mean, um, you know, I know he feels about uh, his teammates. I know he feels about Washington, um, but it's a, it's a tough decision that he needs to make for him and his family. What'd you make of that day, that kind of last home day when he came in and put on his uniform and was kind of milling around and already reminiscing the game? We were hours before the game and all of us standing in the clubhouse. 
it's it's tough not knowing what your future is going to be. You know, even though uh, you know when I talk to him, his future is obviously bright, as you know. He's mm-hmm. going to make a lot of money in this game. Uh, you know, but you know, it's you know, this this has been his family for such a long time, so it's tough. Thanks, David. All right. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.